When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I am afraid of dying. I suppose there are things in life I should be more afraid of that are more immediate worries. My wife's health, thinking about having children soon, taking care of the poor, the sick, the ignored, even smaller things like being afraid I'm almost out of toilet paper, which I think I am. And yet the one that looms largest in my headspace when I lay awake at night is the one I have absolutely no control over and that will, eventually, come for us all. Good thing Blizzard did an expansion all about death. This week we're going to do something a little different. With the holiday and the release of the new major expansion, I've had Shadowlands on my mind. Each zone is so varied and different from one another, while also telling a different story about the various elements that make up death and why those fears sink into us so deep. Whether it's the pastel skybox and rolling wheat fields of Bastion, or the fleshy, rotten, never-ending war of Maldraxxus, each zone in the Shadowlands has something to say about death, our own fears, and what dying means on a personal level. I'm Will Harrison, and this week on Essence of Azeroth, we take the plunge past the veil where no mortal should go, looking at each of the zones that compromise the Shadowlands and talking about what it means when it's time to go. This week, we will venture into the lands of Bastion and Maldraxxus. These are five essays on death, life, and the Shadowlands. Welcome to Essence of Azeroth. A foreword that has nothing to do with World of Warcraft. I want to preface before we start that I am a Christian, an Episcopalian to be more accurate. I am married to an Episcopal priest and am more or less involved in the daily workings of her church. I say this because I think the context of what my religious background is is important before going on a 20-minute journey through my own relationship with death and the Shadowlands and my own fears and anxieties. However, I wasn't always Episcopalian and in fact was as close to agnostic as possible before meeting my wife a decade ago in college. And it wasn't that I didn't buy into religion, but more that I was pushed away from it at every turn and just thought I didn't have a place. I grew up in a non-denominational household as a kid where the only things I was ever told about faith were that I needed to believe in Jesus and everything else would take care of itself. Of course, for a kid that liked to ask questions, that left a lot unfulfilled. 
It certainly didn't help matters that once I turned six or so, we stopped going to church altogether as a family. I continued to go, but only as a bribe from my grandmother that I could still come to Sunday lunch for her fried chicken. A deal that I still uh, do not regret to this day. But even that stopped at a point, and I spent years never interacting with Faith, minus some instances of seeing my own parents go further and further down the conservative rabbit hole, telling me that gays were evil and that Catholics were pedophiles. In many ways, my parents' own doubling down of not trusting organized religion, while still pushing me to it, uh, drove me even further away. And all the while, I still had no answers for death and why I was so afraid of dying. Maybe it was the nursery rhyme my mom used to force me to say growing up before bed. You know the one. The whole, if I die before I wake, etc, etc, shtick. I spent a lot of nights as a kid worrying about this thing that, if all went according to plan, I'd never see for a very long time. That worked out well. It's the one thing I think about that just feels too big, too unknown to come to any conclusions. Even religion doesn't help that much sometimes, as you begin to realize that concepts like hell and paradise and damnation are more or less popular culture constructs meant to make the afterlife more appealing. These days, I don't subscribe to a particular afterlife in a literal sense. I think of it more like the human instrumentality project from Evangelion, or if you need a more recent pop culture concept, the ending to The Good Place, where the next life is us returning to the deep sea of universal subconsciousness. But that's neither here nor there. We're here to talk about World of Warcraft. I just felt it important to state where I stand when it comes to the afterlife debate. That way you're not sitting there wondering if I'm saying one thing and believing another while giving my personal experiences and how I felt playing through these zones and my observations and analysis of them. And with all that in mind, let's start our journey where fields of wheat and new beginnings spring in Bastion. The first thing that struck me as my death knight landed down in Bastion last week was how much of the five new zones it most resembles what is usually thought of as the western ideal of heaven. Or maybe I saw the Robin Williams movie What Dreams May Come too many times as a kid. A blue and pink pastel swirls in the skybox, perhaps the most unnatural sky WoW players have ever seen. It looks almost like a child's crayon drawing, spiraling off into eternity. It's met with hills of never-ending wheat and a sparkling atmosphere, looking like something out of a dream. This isn't an accident, as Bastion is meant as the place where worthy souls begin anew, landing into this afterlife known as the Shadowlands. Your hero is given the friendliest of all the greetings given from these new zones, with a new winged race called the Kyrian, asking if you're okay. These blue-hued humanoids are the greeters, caretakers, 
trainers, teachers, and defenders of this world. A world with a specific purpose in the Shadowlands. To train the Ascendants, those who usher souls into the afterlife and defend the sanctity of Bastion and throw ne'er-do-wells into the mall. Typically. One of the things that scares people the most about faith is the trauma, or assumed trauma, that comes along with it. While countless films, songs, anime, and TV shows have portrayed death as this thing where we feel nothing, or some kind of angel or guardian keeps us from feeling the pain of death, it's still the biggest worry and the one that floats in my mind the most. Many people get through life without as much as a broken bone. Hi. And yet, here is this end state we're all hurtling toward, where one way or another, our lives will cease to be. It's terrifying just to think about it. Which is why the first thing your character is asked to do in Bastion is wash themselves of that trauma, literally baptizing themselves in the waters that strip them of this anguish and the hardship that comes along with the act of dying and the memory of it. Other writers and outlets have disagreed, but I find this beautiful. There's something astounding about a game that's willing to create an afterlife where the first thing you do isn't about some great glory or revenge or fear. It's care, self-care, and renewal. It's a thought that I found great comfort in, even as my character continued down the golden road to Hero's Rest. The through line in Shadowlands is that there is something in each of the new zones that is causing the machine that is the afterlife to not work as intended. For Bastion, it comes on two fronts, with an attack from the flesh-scaped lands of Maldraxxus and the corruption of Ascendance and Training, taking in the power of the Maul and becoming the Maul Sworn. While details are still scant, it's been obvious ever since before release that the source of this corruption comes in the form of whatever happened to Uther Lightbringer's soul upon his spirit-rending encounter with the Lich King, Arthas Minifil, mostly due to the fact that we now know that the Helm of Domination and Frostborn were creations of the Shadowlands and the Maw itself. They carry the taint of an entire zone. That corruption spread like a little death, creating a miasma of dying across the pristine lands of Bastion. It's also, in many ways, what feels like the story of unsureness and regret slipping into a land meant to help ease souls into their eons of rest. As the Afterlives video series that Blizzard put out stated, Uther could have spent hundreds of years sitting in that golden field, not accepting his fate, before being able to move on past his own trauma and, and coming to grips with it. Or maybe not. Maybe souls simply aren't able to let go of their trauma. Maybe humans can't let go of what we've left behind. Which, if we're being honest, is one of my own greatest fears about death. I think about my wife, my family, my friends, my pets, the places and people I know. I can't think of a point in my life where I let all of that go without knowing what is next. It's terrifying. And likewise, this whisper of corruption that's come to the Kyrian people comes in the form of not being able to let go. The Mallsworn have rebelled against the idea that, in order to serve the purpose and bastion, that they must let go of their own past lives. Perhaps this is an ideological debate. 
Can the only way to usher the dead be to let go of what made you, you? Other media has toyed with this idea, including one of my all-time favorite television shows, Dead Like Me, in which the dead are ushered through their demise and to the afterlife by reapers, former humans who were plucked from death and picked to act as middle managers for the afterlife. The main character, George, cannot handle the idea of just leaving her family and life behind, mostly because she feels like it never truly started in the first place, and is punished for it in the form of cosmic humor, as she tries to hold on to the things and places that she once held dear, she suddenly begins to forget them completely, losing her memories the harder she tries to not let go. George does move on, eventually and slowly, but it brings up the point that maybe we as humans aren't built to think about a point where we can just let our lives go. We can't fathom a time when things are so perfect and good and ever pristine that the past no longer matters. And if it happens to the Kyrians, even if it's due to a source like the Maw, then what hope is there for the rest of us? And yet, I'm calmed by Bastion's perfect setting and rolling fields. It's idyllic, and a place that I could see myself sitting down at for a few hundred years as I process my former life. Maybe much like other heartache we suffer, the only thing we truly need to heal is time. But time is a resource, and one we can't waste. For now, we continue our journey and travel to a less idyllic, though all-too-familiar setting for World of Warcraft players. We travel to the warring world of Maldraxxus. biggest regrets we often hold are from the things we didn't get to do or accomplish. I often find my brain drifting to the things I did in high school or college, wishing I had more, succeeded more, or had been right when I was very much wrong. Glory often feels eternal, or perhaps it's not unlike a drug, something that, to steal a Taylor Swift song lyric, they show their truth one single time but they lie, and they lie, and they lie. Maybe glory is overrated. Or maybe, not all afterlives are built the same. And so my death knight touched down on the ground of Maldraxxus, a world that feels like it was built on the back of a scourge abomination. Fitted pools, rotting waste, and the screams of war, wherever you go. For the denizens of Warcraft and the Shadowlands, glory awaits those who wish to wage in the eternal war of Mount Draxus. And even though I'm not a violent person, I see the appeal. It's a chance to find glory where you may have missed your chance in a past life. The five houses of Mount Draxus are at constant war with one another, while also providing defense and support for all the Shadowlands. War all the time. It's also a land of duality, hell for some, paradise for most. I find some irony that more than a few former raid bosses reappear in Maldraxxus and are not only perfectly content with their new afterlives, but in many ways have found some clarity. 
The most notable is Lady Vaj, in which has to be the most awkward reunion ever. Basically goes to your character and says, Hey, remember that time you killed me? Good times. And it's in a land like Maldraxxus where the former Naga general has found peace of mind, but also finds herself in a land where she's not only useful, but good at what she does. Who knew that even a former raid boss could find job and life fulfillment? It's a reminder that some people are just built differently, and that one person's bliss is another's annoyance. Maldraxxus is also yet another place in the Shadowlands that highlights the cycle of life, in this case a very literal cycle. Nothing goes to waste in this land. No weapon, nor battle plan, nor piece of flesh ever finds itself without a purpose, with abominations taking center stage in the form of the House of Constructs. Seriously, I have never seen so many A-bombs in one place. Maldraxxus really provides some background on the Scourge's own assets, and how some of the Shadowlands long ago leaked into the world of Azeroth. Eastern Plaguelands might as well have been a preview of what it was to wait players in Maldraxxus. But it's also a land of glory, and in many ways in, is the eternal story of honor and blood and thunder that seems perfect for any Death Knight or Orc or a member of the Horde looking for eternal glory in battle. And maybe all this death and fighting is just about one simple thing. Being remembered. Glory is often just a device for being remembered for something long after you're gone. Something that, if we're being honest, will not happen to a majority of us. Sure, a few generations of our families may remember our names for a time, but the nuance is gone boiled down into a few general details that get trotted out when the last few people who actually knew you take a stroll down memory lane and then nothing at all. Celebrity and fame is often sought after because of our need to leave something behind after we're gone. The best that most of us will ever do is children. It's a sobering fact, but something I have no illusions about. Even for me, as someone who's had my name in a newspaper for almost a decade, I won't be remembered. Long after they shut the doors of that newsroom, my name will have been long forgotten. And that's fine. But living in an eternal field where glory is everlasting and endless, where statues are made to the victorious, I saw an appeal in that. And in a world like Azeroth, where most only know destruction and woe, having a little eternal glory doesn't sound so bad. Join us next time on Essence of Azeroth when we continue our journey through the new realms of the Shadowlands, looking at the price of atonement and the circle of life as we go further in and venture to Revendreth and Ardenweald. As always, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts, but especially consider us leaving us a listener mail question, either on our anchor.fm page at anchor.fm forward slash Azeroth podcast or messaging us on Twitter, at Azeroth Podcast. No spaces. We're also on Facebook now, so please consider following along there at facebook.com forward slash Azeroth Podcast. I'm also happy to give an update on our first episode, in which we talked about Bonsamdi. Uh, now that I've ventured into the other side dungeon for myself, we finally have some answers about a little bit more of Bonsamdi's background and lore, and more importantly, who is responsible for uh, getting Sylvanas the mantle of Warchief after the death of Vol'jin. I won't spoil anything, but there are a wealth of answers, and it's actually kind of funny because 
the other side as a dungeon almost feels out of place. Um, I remember stumbling across the physical entrance of it in southeast Ardenweald, just past a formerly dead um, nursery. And there's suddenly like things get very trollish in regards to the architecture. And I'm just like, oh, look at this joint. Who stuffed you back in here? It's it, it's very weird. It feels almost like it should have been in the in the last expansion in the last uh, patch, but they just decided to bump, bump it to this because they figured it made sense. And it, it does in context. Bonsamdi is there, and he actually provides uh, some interesting lore background not only on how the Loas work and how his power works, but also a little little bit about who he was before he became uh, a Loa of Death. And once you get to the end of the dungeon, uh, you'll f- see for yourself that there are some changes to the lore, and it may lead into other things later. Also, pro tip for those of you jumping into that dungeon for the first time uh, on the final boss, always jump into the portal. It spawns on the right side of the boss near his hand. Be prepared to run to there because you only have like five seconds before you get hit with a one-hit kill spell. Um, tell your friends, tell your party members, run for that portal. Um, and that's all we've got for this week. Um, thank you for joining me. As always, I've been shocked and astounded by the response to the podcast. I'm humbled that so many people have listened and it makes me happy. So that's why I'm worried about an episode like this, where it's not so much about Warcraft, um, but is more of my thoughts about how I was feeling as playing this and we're going to get a little bit more of that. I realized this was a short episode. Um, we'll get back to normal soon, but for now there's a Torghast to explore and a mall to delve into and, um, <laughs> daily quests galore to finish. So if you're like me, I'm going to get back to it. Um, until then join us next week, next, next week when we venture to Ardenweald and Revendreth and take a look further at death, life, and the Shadowlands. Until next time, take care.